This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to On the Bench. I am Brendan Sinone, joined by Josh Schnuber, Chris Nee. And I have to be honest, fellas, I didn't really come up with a script for today's podcast. You're a complete and utter failure. <laughs> Apologize to the people. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We do have a loose uh, skeleton script here to kind of go off of, but it, it's not my best work. I am honest. I'm already I'm already tired from the drive up to Louisville before start the show. All right, let's get going. FSU is traveling to Louisville on Saturday to face the Cardinals. FSU's two and three, one and three in the ACC. Got the first ACC win last week, of course, against number five North Carolina. Louisville. However, on a, uh, a four-game losing streak, all four of those losses have come in the ACC. They're oh, 4 in the ACC, 1-4 and four overall, games at noon. Chris, help me out. What's it? Regional Sports Network is going to be broadcasted on? What's that mean? That's a lot of those Fox Sports type of directional ones. If you're in market, you can get it on the Fox Sports Go app. If you're out of market, the ESPN app. So like YouTube TV, you're not going to get it, but you should be able to get it on ESPN app for a lot of people, but not all people. I believe with Hulu, you can get it. A lot of people choose Hulu as the alternative. Basically, what you watch Jackson State on, that's how you're going to probably have to try to watch this. Uh, okay. Josh, how do you watch it when it's a regional sports network? Because you're not – like I had the St. Pete carry. I, yeah, I get like Fox Sports, sports you know, so the, the local, okay. the in-state Fox Sports. I think I it was the Jacksonville State game was on the same channel that I watched the Rays on. Okay. That would probably be Fox mm-hmm. Sports then. For the Notre Dame game – I was watching it on my Hulu and I was so far behind what was happening live. It was like a legitimate three or four plays. I had to turn on the digital antenna and that got me caught up, but it was, I was behind you. You were behind. Yeah. You remember I was on the NBC app for that. (laughs) So I was like, I was like eight plays behind. I had to stop following along in the uh, Knowles 24 seven update thread because it was like a series ahead. Hey, should we thank, uh, speaking of those 24-7, thanks everyone who who signed up and gave us a try. Hell for yeah. The, yeah, they, uh, you guys came through big time with that, so we appreciate thank it. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, we, we appreciate it. Hope you guys enjoy the product while you're signed up for the two months and, and decide to stick around with us. So FSU is an underdog going into this contest currently as we record this on Thursday morning, five points. Line opened at 6.5, went down to 4.5. It's kind of settled at five here. Christopher... What did yes. the two four seven tell you about Louisville? What are you expecting to see from from the Cardinals uh, this weekend? Well, they're they're sort of uh, they got some similarities to FSU in the sense that their defense just hasn't been very good for the most part this year. It's been a major issue. A lot of missed tackles, uh, kind of struggling up front. Their linebacking core is pretty damn good, so that's a difference from what FSU's been overall this year. We kind of know what Louisville is offensively, you know, quarterback-wise, Malik Cunningham, a dual-threat quarterback type. Javion Hawkins, one of the best running backs in the league. Explosive guy, can do a lot of things. He is their primary back. He is going to get a hefty amount of the carries. Sometimes Hassan Hall kind of helps alleviate some of that, but Hall's dinged up. So in this game, I think we can expect Hawkins to very much be the primary guy. And then Tutu Atwell, South Florida Kaler, I think a lot of people are familiar with him at this point in his career in the ACC. Very, very good, explosive, versatile kind of slot type guy, but they'll move him all around the field, do a lot of different things with him. He's a really, really good player. And then Des Fitzpatrick's a pretty good receiver. And Marshawn Ford's a pretty talented tight end. So they have offensive weapons at their disposal. They set up the passing game with the running game. They're going to stretch out horizontally in the running game, try to run some zone blocking stuff and get Hawkins some holes on the perimeter and let him cut back and do it to your defense. And then they kind of create the passing game based off what their running game is able to do. But Satterfield historically has run the ball a lot and early on. I think he's run for a hundred plus in every game, but maybe two in his time at Louisville as head coach. So you can fully expect him to try to establish a run game out of the gate. Yeah, that zone blocking scheme that they do, the stretch zone, is is uh, they're as committed to that as anyone in the country, and that puts a lot of pressure on your linebackers and defensive line to to be uh, gap 
gap secure yeah, high and, discipline and, and gap integrity oh that's old that's an yeah, old but it's very true in a sense you, if you don't have it if you get caught and you're over aggressive or you over pursue they're going to cut back on you and your whole defense is going to be shifted and it's going to be a foot race and hawkins isn't going to lose a foot race to most people josh how are you absorbing this game uh, in the sense that both teams have, have struggled and both teams had fairly high expectations relatively speaking going into the season louisville certainly has underachieved more than i think people thought uh, but both had decent outings last week. Louisville was a loss, 12-7 in Notre Dame. FSU, obviously, the win. Are you feeling good about FSU's chances and just where FSU is at this point? Are you nervous going into this game? I'm kind of nervous, but I'm always nervous, so I'm asking a more rationale person. I feel good about the fact that they're coming off of the the UNC win and seeing how they played. Um, I don't know what to make of Louisville's loss over Notre Dame and the score of that game. It's such an outlier to me because – I watched them play Miami and I watched them not play defense two times and give up two 75 yard touchdowns. Like where they just literally just didn't play defense. You know, nobody on the field knew what was going on. I know. And, and so I want to remember I, that. I, I've got and a I theory on that. that FSU can, yeah. Go ahead. You want to hear it? Yeah. All right. I think, I think Notre Dame was just tired from running for all those yards against Florida state. The week. I think there. it may have also had something to do with very strong wins on the day. Plus, if you look but at that game... But Notre Dame's able to run the football at will. You know, they ran 300 yards on us. Yeah, but if you look at the box score of that game, Notre Dame got in the red zone multiple times. Louisville did not. They got in the red zone, I believe, one time entirely on the day. Mm-hmm. That score is kind of misrepresentative of how much that game was very much lopsided. Now, Louisville tackled better in that game. It's something they did not do against Miami. It's something they didn't really do against Georgia Tech either, the game before Notre Dame. Um, I mean, their defense has massive issues, you know. They're... Their rushing defense is 49th in the country. Their total defense, 32nd. But their biggest issue is tackling. I mean, they can just kind of take it apart at times because they opt not to be physical, which is odd because their linebacker group is pretty solid and actually does a very good job. The issue more for them is that if you get beyond those linebackers, the secondary is not going to save them. It's kind of the opposite of what FSU's had to deal with, where their secondaries had to save the linebackers a lot. I do like the fact that FSU comes in as an underdog in this one. I think the the people out in Vegas did Mike Norvell a solid. Um, he talked a lot this week about competing and, and, and continuing to compete as if, you know, you got this chip on your shoulder, even though you just upset the number five team in the country. Um, I think that this kind of keeps them on tilt, you know, with that chip on their shoulder. Cause I'm sure the boys were out at pot bellies and Bajas and, you know, the whole student body's probably telling them how great they are all week. So, hey, does Potbelly uh, still exist? I, th- I drove by it. I don't think it was Potbelly's anymore, but I don't know if that was just like a, a change briefly. I don't know. Really? I don't. We need a, We need an answer on that. If you could so, comment, let us know. go to our iTunes and leave us a, a review, a message on there and let us know if Potbelly's is still there. I think Baja might be shut down, though. I do think Baja might be shut down. I mean, I think they got in trouble uh, having parties back oh, in like dur- May. During, during their quarantine? Uh, and and Potbelly is just in and of itself is a different pandemic waiting. There's, there's, there's other kind of airborne stuff there too. Uh, if you're old enough to drink, you're too old to be at Potbelly's. Anyways, so Josh, you're talking about some things, and I think this is kind of where I've arrived with with trying to absorb this game. And I, we're going to ask for score predictions in a little bit here. And I don't even know. I haven't even thought about it. We think FSU's buying in, correct? Like that's what the UNC game told us. If they, they did, at least right. for one game. So what's next then? Like, do we if they come out and play well, are we saying that this team is for sure bought in against Louisville? Mm. If they come out and lay an egg, are we saying that's a step back? Is this go back to the process not or progress not being linear ideology? Mm-hmm. We are we are so jaded by what this team does, which is one step forward and two steps back, that we are all like you're framing this question as if we're we're preparing for the two steps back. I, yes, I, part of me is expecting that emotionally. I'm preparing myself to go all the way up to Louisville, drive 10 and a half hours there, not go to stop to get any bourbon because the way the time is going to work in the noon game, I'm not going to go to any distilleries and, and and cover a loss. And I just can't then have to drive 10 and a half hours back with that. I can't deal with it's it. It's very important that FSU competes at an equally high level as they did this past Saturday. That doesn't mean win or lose. That means compete, effort that you see it. If Louisville plays a great game and beats FSU, but FSU plays very hard, very well, and has themselves in position in that game, uh, you know, I don't look at it as simple as a win or a loss. I look at it as 
does FSU look like a team that has taken what they did last week and built upon it, which one would hope if they do that, they win. But I don't think it's as simple as just saying if they do that, they're going to win. You know, Louisville is obviously not playing good ball. You know, they gave up 46 to Georgia Tech. They gave up 47 to Miami. They gave up only 12 to Notre Dame, and they still can't win. Scoring offense-wise, they're struggling. They're only averaging 24.6 points per game 56 in the country so you know a lot of things say oh fsu has a great chance in this but it is a road game fsu's not been particularly good on the road in some time especially this year obviously some major whackings on the road at miami and notre dame for fsu so for me it's more about the total package of how does fsu look on saturday how do they compete how do they play do we see a defense that creates some havoc at the line of scrimmage that tackles fairly effective that plays four quarters plays really hard. And if they do take one on the chin, say say Louisville comes out in that first drive or even the first play of the game offensively and they just bust one. You know, they get them off balance and, you know, Hawkins takes it and houses it or Cunningham keeps it and the defense is deceived and they house it. How do they come out the next drive? I want to see stuff like that. That's where this FSU team is. I want to see them continually building upon the things that they need to do better, that they last week finally showed signs as an entire team of trying to do better. I think for the health, the emotional health of this fan base, what you're alluding to, Chris, that we want to see is is one that the energy and, and give a you know what, but two specifically, the defensive front, linebackers, the defensive line, we want to see a repeat performance, right? Like I think that's even if it's not quite as dialed up as it was against UNC, because I was at such a high level and it's tough to get that point all the time. You want to see Marv still making plays. You want to see J-Rob and Kendo playing with confidence. You want to see Stephen Dix and Emmett Rice uh, just being willing to go and hit something. Like, those are things you want to see compounding and growing on win or lose that I think make you feel a little bit better about the direction of this program. Yeah, and some of that happened in the UNC game because FSU was able to jump on them early and put quite a bit on the board. So it kind of turned UNC into more of a one-dimensional type team. Now, FSU had defensive success in the first half, you know, the fourth and one where they cut them out and stop them is a one that a lot of people would point to. And there's other examples. But in the second half, they were able to kind of pin their ears back and try to go after the quarterback. Now, UNC had plenty of offensive success in the second half too, but the defensive line was still making an impact, still producing stats still doing things we're going to look at as a win. I think for Louisville, because, you know, Cunningham and Howe are obviously very different. I think it comes more down to turn Cunningham into a passer. Don't allow him to use his legs to be, make him have to sit there and pass and don't allow Hawkins to be so good in the running game that you're off tilt and you're having to play the running game so heavy that it creates the ability for bus plays in one-on-one situations for Louisville on offense. I mean, what Louisville tries to do offensively with their passing game is kind of similar to what FSU is now turned into, which is we're going to force you to play to run. You're going to be over-aggressive, probably keep a safety at least down, if not spying or coming after the run game, and that creates one-on-one shots. And if we hit those with talented outside receiver types – then we can get big plays. So I, I think the key for FSU is kind of understand that. and Don't let Louisville play their game, force them to play the game you would like them to play from a defensive standpoint for FSU. Should have said this up front. Part of the reason why we're going off script is because the format's going to be a little bit different for this podcast. Uh, we have Kadarian Jones joining us on the back end of the podcast. He's the former Memphis wide receiver, someone who is very outspoken uh, during the, the whole Warren Thompson deal on social media he kind of stood up and, and was the voice to say hey like FSU players you're take a chance and, and give Mike Ravel a chance to to buy your buy into him uh, so I got Kadarian on the podcast to kind of talk about his experience with Mike Ravel he was enlightening and interesting and in, in how he described how like he didn't necessarily buy into Mike Ravel in the beginning uh, and they had times where they were butting heads but but he's happy that he stayed through it so uh, I'll direct you guys to that at the end of the podcast but I should have said that earlier uh buy-in do we think the fsu has bought in josh where are you at with that i think they bought in last game yeah i'm not sold um i need to see it i need to witness it i still can't believe i saw it last week to be honest with you like i can't believe that they played with passion and effort all the way through you know pretty much the whole game it was something that we haven't seen in three years so i'm buying in if, you're, if, if you're, that's you're my buy- answer i'm buying in. you're buying into them buying in Yes. All right. I Well, you listen to the players during the weekly calls, and I know that can be, <clears throat> excuse me, tedious sometimes, but but did you sense anything different when the way they were talking, the messaging? Uh, I did think there was more support of the coaching staff organically, uh, more unified, yeah. and that, that's yeah, what and I, I perceived. 
And I think same from the coaching staff. I don't think they threw the players under the bus nearly as much as they normally do when they talk about execution and, you know, guys got to make plays when they're in the spot. They started to do some of those things. So confidence builds, wins build, morale builds. Like this is no secret. Winning builds morale. Guys start feeling better about themselves, feeling better about their teammates and their coaches. I don't want to say they bought in. Uh, I think that's jumping off the bridge after one win. Um, I do think they're on a path to doing so. The one thing I definitely think is I think a lot of players, especially guys who intend to play here and who are getting an opportunity to play here based on what they're doing in practice and what they're doing in games, I think they've realized that the head coach and the guys that coach under him, that coach them positionally, their message isn't going to change. They're they're not they're not going to pivot and change and oh try to coddle players and do this and do that. It's not that the way they're going to go about their, doing their business. It's been the same win or lose since the season kicked off, and truthfully, it was the same even before the season kicked off. I think that's kind of that message has sunken in, and I think when messaging is very consistent and it's steadfast, and the person saying it specifically in this case, Mike Norvell, is you know adamant as hell about what he's saying and how he's saying it and how he's going to go about doing and what he believes in. I think you either kind of have to get on board with that or it's not the place for you. And Mm -hmm. I think that that that's something that's happened in these first four to six weeks of the actual season being played. And I I think once that takes footing, if play is a little better, then yes, you see more buy-in. And I I think there's certainly individual buy-in. I just don't want to paint it as the entire team. That's one thing that Kadarian talked about uh, was Mike Norvell being kind of unflinching in, in his beliefs and the way he runs a program. And I think ultimately that's that's what you need is for someone to be direct and consistent. And that's what people typically respond to when looking at leadership. Uh, but as we talk about this concept of, of buy-in, it feels a little nebulous to me uh, because like everyone, like you can see signs of it, right? You can see little things point to it here and there, but but you could look back, like say the Willie Taggart era, there was that stretch where they beat NC State and beat Louisville and they went into a bye week and you're like, oh, maybe they're actually starting to turn a corner a little bit. And of course that, that doesn't happen. Were guys not buying in? Were they buying in? And, and same thing, FSU fans were not, we're not used to seeing like that narrative having to kind of unfold because we've been so few coaching changes in the course of FSU history, modern football at least. Do you guys remember like with Jimbo Fisher when he came in and I know it was slightly different because he was a coordinator, uh, but when he jumped up to being the head coach, like how quickly did it take you guys in hindsight to realize like, oh, this team is all in? Was it a process of multiple weeks or years? The first year was pretty clear it was happening. Truthfully, the moment that I remember with Jimbo and kind of goes back to the whole messaging point I made was after that bad NC State loss, nothing changed. Like the way they went about doing it, the way they were going to do it way they were working towards the results it was going to remain the same and I think that's a point that obviously was a huge pivot point for this program as a whole and set the table for what the success was from that point on for several years are, are you talking about the 2012 NC State loss yeah okay. yeah, the, yeah the last loss before the winning streak began mm-hmm. yeah I was gonna say similar to that that offseason um, when the players kind of took it upon themselves to really go all in on the seven on sevens and Jameis Winston, you know, we started hearing rumors that Jameis Winston was like leading these player practices. And then we started to watch some of them when we were on campus. Um, They would practice inside Doak to seven on seven. And it was like the whole damn team was out there. And normally prior years, it was like maybe six or seven guys were out there throwing. Yeah, it's cliche, but great teams are led by players. Well, so, but consider this, that what you guys are saying that you're both having, you're both of you have covered this program for a long time. And you're both landing at almost the same time period. Almost. Chris is talking, I mean, you're talking about a couple of months apart and Jimbo, mm-hmm. two years into the Jimbo Fisher. But that year. could have been the precipice to start that mentality was that law. So me and Chris are basically agreeing on the same. Right. They went from good to great at that point. The yeah. thing now is we're not trying to go from good to great. We're trying to go from really bad to kind Decent. of sustainable and then work your way up. But so my, it's but my but my point is though is like look how long this is t- that took for mm-hmm. that to, to take that jump from the next level for Jimbo and he was already here and had the the time to recruit at Florida State to have yeah, an but, idea of the infrastructure. I'm just saying like this could take a while for Norvell. There were there were moments in his first two years as head coach where it was noticeable what was happening, and there mm-hmm. were even moments before he became a head coach where it was clear it was happening with the offense. So it, it was a process. I mean, heck, it took basically four years to get to the point that I'm calling a pivot point. Mm-hmm. But I think this program took a next level step 
after that that NC State loss because I think the buy-in among the players became abundantly clear that if we're going to succeed at the highest level we intend to succeed at and avoid a letdown in an ugly game like that game was, this is what we must do. This is kind of goes to the point that we made even you know a week or so ago, or sorry, like earlier in this week. Uh, this isn't a straight line. Like FSU no. can show signs of growth, but as we're covering this team and this thing in, in live time, I think we all are optimistic about where the program's going under Mike Norvell, especially after last week. But just remember, there are going to be bumps in the road, and that could how guys respond to that is going to be indicative of, I guess, far FSU can can climb in this sense of being competitive nationally. Yeah, sometimes getting your lip bloodied is the thing that helps you improve at the end. Yeah, we've seen that. We've seen that in this program's history, uh, and even you know, the Miami game. I think was was needed in a way for for this Mike Norvell tenure uh, for them to say we have to make some changes, especially at quarterback. And then when the one didn't work, when Tate Rodemaker didn't work out, they made another and they found it. They stuck with it. Now they're building around it. And that's encouraging. Uh, with that in mind, some quick injury updates. Jordan Travis sounds like he is good to go. Uh, I, we talked about this in the last pod, right? He's he's going to get dinged up. We're going to get scared. We're going to get nervous. But he practices during the week. We're good. We're good to go. Uh, he's going against his former team there in Louisville, but they're not. No one, no one internally is worried about that. Uh, Tamori and Terry, wide receivers, still out. Expecting that to be another week or so. Mike Norvell said soon, soon when talking about Tamari and Terry. Hampson Nasraldine, uh, I thought, it, Chris, I thought that re- Mike Norvell's response to Hampson's, the question on Hampson was a little different than, than what it's been the last couple of weeks. I don't know if it was optimistic. It was more just saying, uh, help me out here. Like, how, how did he how did he define it? it? It felt different than it was in the last couple of weeks. No, I'll ask Chris the question. Okay. Just- Interpret the way Mike Norvell <laughs> speaks in code when it comes to Hamster Nazardine, please. Uh, this response had a bit more wording to it, which led me to think there is a little bit more going on in the sense of working his way back than we've heard in prior weeks. The level, last level. the last two or three weeks prior to this one were very much the exact same answer week after week. All right. One to ten, what's your confidence that we see Hamster Nazardine on the field this season? Oh, uh, this season? I don't I, this season. I, yeah, I think we see him at some point. I'm not going to give you a 1 to 10. I okay. hate 1 to 10. So you know me, Josh. But, uh, yeah, I think we see him, especially with the fact that eligibility is not a thing this year. So, like, I don't, I don't think that's a factor. Um, but it, it's been a weird deal. It, you know, I've asked a lot. I've, I haven't tried as much here recently, but I did week one, two, three of the season. And people were like, oh, he'll be back at some point. It was kind of the consistent what I heard. But the some point was never very well defined. And it still hasn't been. So He's I don't always know. said that he'll be back when Hamza feels he's 100% and when we feel he's 100%. Like, that's kind of what he always says. And I don't – I'm trying to decipher who doesn't feel that he's at 100%. I think that's FSU. Well – okay. So one thing I'll say is Hamsa warms up in a way that's different than any other injured player. Like he is like this past week, he was there stretching with the, um, the elastic Resist- was stretch. He resistance bands. He, he was doing that before the game. He comes out with the defensive backs, goes around like he's about to play. Sometimes he has his warm up Jersey on like he, he it's different than anyone else. Other guys who aren't playing, don't step on the field and try to warm up. They mm-hmm. don't, try to do any sort of workouts. It's a very different dynamic for him. Than How many weeks been. in a row has he done that? Was it the, just the, last week? Or? He, no, he's done something slightly different every single time mm-hmm. uh, The last since the Miami game. Uh, the the stretching with the with the bands was this past week was the first time. Okay. It's just, I, and I know we're, we're analyzing the hell, <laughs> the hell out of this, but I'll just say it, it's unique and it's different than anything else we see. Well, if, you, if people heard the way Mike Norvell speaks about Hamza every week, it just leads you to more questions. Like you want to know why he's being, you know, the way he is. And part of me, like I, I've, I've always thought that we'd see Hamza this year, but like part of me thinks like maybe we won't, you know, just based on how coy Norvell has been. It's, it's but, just but kind at of one strange. point it was super optimistic. That's what like the first, mm-hmm. like we said this before, like when we first heard of the injury that it was whether re re injured it or just a setback. Uh, but we were told like, it could be a, it could be a season ender. And then uh, had Intel like that. It looked like he very much so had a procedure done on the knee, like had like another surgical procedure on it. And then a few weeks later, they were talking about the tone was optimistic that he would be back. And then it got less optimistic. Here's the right. answer that Norvell had. On Wednesday, when he was asked about Hamza, quote, 
He's going through the, his process and he looks good running around today. I think every day he's just going to continue to do everything he can to put himself in a position to play at his best level. Like I said before, I'm not going to put him on the field until I feel confident and he feels confident he's going to be able to do that. Uh, but he's been very, very active. Very, That's two varies, Josh. And everything that we're doing right now. I'm hopeful that this will show soon with him out there on the field, whether it's a week, whether it's whatever time that is. I know he's working with that sense of urgency to get back on the field, and I'm excited about it. I don't know. And he's been saying things very similar to this for like three or four weeks now. So it's fun. It's just fun to follow. We'll see. We'll see what happens. When you do this long enough, you start learning how to pick apart coach speak and and pick up certain like breadcrumbs, what they're saying. Uh, But I have no idea with this one. And we're still going to know Coach Norvell too. Yeah, our sample size with Norvell is not big enough yet. Agreed. All right, let's see. Uh, let's get into recruiting updates real quick, and then we'll do our uh, our Louisville predictions, and then we'll get to the uh, the fun interview with Kadarian Jones. Recruiting updates. We'll start with Chris. I'll throw this to you with uh, Tywell Malone, four star defensive tackle. Gave a nice in depth update to to twenty four seven Sports, and uh, I know FSU fans felt pretty optimistic after reading it. Yeah, I mean the big thing to know with Malone is that truthfully. Baseball is the X factor there, and it might even be a bigger factor than football, honestly. You know, he has a final six. He put that out a few weeks ago. Tennessee, Old Miss, FSU, Texas A&M, USC. I forget the sixth one off the top of my head. Rutgers. Um, Rutgers is very forgettable. Well, he's from he's from up that way. Yes, and he has coaching ties to Rutgers. I believe his freshman coach is now on the Rutgers staff, so that's part of the reason they're in it. But uh, he loves baseball. I, you know, right now I think Old Miss and FSU are two that are major players in this. Tennessee with their defensive line coaching changes past week, probably put a little ding in their cause with him. But Mike Metcalf and the FSU baseball staff with Coach Martin Jr. are very active with him, as well as the FSU football staff with Odell leading the charge. Biggest issue for FSU, he's never visited. Good news for FSU, he's not in a rush. He probably won't commit till at the earliest the Under Armour All-American game. That's in January, and that's presuming that game still happens. As you may have seen this week, the Army Bowl, which is the other competing All-Star game, they decided against having their game this year. It wouldn't shock me if Under Armour follows suit. Interesting to me, the idea of a defensive tackle slash baseball player. Like Normally, it's a quarterback who also plays baseball. We saw Deion Sanders, so you can see a cornerback, wide receiver type of member. Jacoby McDaniel. Fielders. Yeah, yeah, Jacoby, Jacoby, Jacoby loved playing D-tack. ball. Yeah. Was he a was he a D one caliber? Like I know he 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 had a ton of home runs at Madison. I was um, gonna say he could hit dingers. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't. But I don't he, know he's like the kid like in the little league world series. My name's Big Al, and I hit dingers. <laughs> um, it's, it's interesting uh, thought process for me. I don't know where Malone stacks up in like the perfect game world. I don't pay that that much mind beyond you know guys committing to FSU and trying to learn more about them type of thing. Um, so I'm not sure where he stacks up in that. I know Steve Wilfong thinks very highly of him as a two-sport guy. He's written about it uh, this year. I think Frank Thomas is a comparison we've seen thrown out there. I think oh. that's, a, that's a little bit oh. of a stretch, obviously. But I think that's kind of in the sense of just kind of has a natural hammering power to him, more mm-hmm. so than being like Big Frank all the way. But more the idea of he can hit these you know, towering shots type of idea. New, um, is it, Newberg, is it an upset to you? I'm surprised that Chris doesn't pay a lot of attention to perfect game recruit rankings for baseball. I feel like he would. Yeah, I think he, I think he does. He's just being coy about it. If if Chris wasn't married with two kids, he most certainly okay. would. All right. But all right, married with two kids still is that time. <laughs> you have to give up something at some point. Exactly. Uh, all right, perfect Josh, you have – you had an update. You caught up with uh, big old Rod Orr, mm. FSU's four-star offensive tackle, and you caught up after FSU's win over UNC. Good timing by you to go ahead and get some pop, pump some positivity into the. Yeah, I needed to I see like what it. Rod Orr had to say. The big six foot seven, two hundred ninety-six pound Florida State commitment. Um, he's been committed for just under a month, but he said he really enjoyed watching the Seminoles take down number five ranked UNC. Quote, it was a great game. I thought the offensive line was great. I was watching the whole line and seeing how they move and what they do. Um, Rod told me that he talks to Coach Atkins almost every day. He said that Atkins really just called. I said, what do you all talk about? He said, he just calls to check up on me, see how I'm doing, things like that. Um, He said, quote, he's been telling me to keep trusting, and I am. We struggle here at my high school, so I understand it. We got work we got to work hard here and build it up right. Just like they are at FSU. So it sounds like he's buying in. 
Um, it sounds like everything's going on. I asked him if he's solid in his pledge. He said, quote, I'm pretty much locked in. My family thinks I made a great decision. He told me about a dozen teams are still recruiting him. I asked too. He just kind of exhaled and said, who a bunch. So he says he's still hearing from teams. Doesn't say he really talks to anybody all that often. Um, Did you Rod respond? Orr, not, not Auburn. Not Auburn, right? Right. <laughs> well, Auburn has not offered yet. But Rod Orr says he plans on being a summer enrollee. I know we had a lot of questions on whether or not he'd be an early enrollee or summer. He tells me he's going to be a summer enrollee. And right now he's unsure if he'll sign during the early or the late period. Um, a lot of kids say this. I know if he's committed, FSU will try their hardest to get him locked in for December. Um, you know, we'll see how that goes. But I'm not surprised to hear him say that. Usually the the effort to, to make sure these kids are locked in for the early signing period doesn't really start until after the season begins. So that's something to monitor. But all sounds really good with Rod Orr and Florida State right now. The only other recruiting tidbit I could uncover that we did this week uh, – since the last podcast, Byron Cardwell, the four-star running back from out in, see, out in Cali, out in the West Coast. Yeah. Chris, what did he say? Basically, just not in a huge uh, rush right now. Yeah, Greg Biggins, our West Coast analyst, he keeps keeping up with Cardwell. Cardwell's recruitment's kind of been on pause, for lack of a better term, during a uh, COVID pandemic time. He intended to take a bunch of visits. FSU was among those schools he wanted to see. At this point, he hasn't been able to. So he's got several West Coast schools, UCLA, USC, for example, on that list, but a couple non-West Coast types, FSU among them. He keeps up contact with, uh, I believe, both Dillingham and David Johnson. I know him and David Johnson were talking regularly last time I talked to him, to Cardwell. Um, I still believe he's the number two. I don't want to say number two, but he's 1B to the 1A of Contravian Hargrove at running back for FSU. He's a kid they really like that they would love to get, but you don't put your eggs in a West Coast basket when visits aren't allowed. I did some research. I think Potbelly's is still open, but I don't know why I thought it was closed. I drove That's by. That's good to know. Don't worry. I tried to call, close Cool Beans on the message board the other day and oh, came people, to find out it was still open, which people, I was very people, happy people about because I, I love me. I love me some Cool Beans. I still have a hundred dollar gift card to drop there, so I'm very glad it's still open. There are some foodies in Tallahassee and people who like Andrea Idelson from ESPN. Whenever she comes to Tallahassee from Orlando, she goes to Cool Beans. There's some people who would have freaked out, Chris, if that would happen. I love, I love Cool Beans. I remember Brewster when he first moved here. He asked me best place to go eat, and I told him Cool Beans. I think he ended up actually living right down the street from it. I made out with a girl outside of Cool Beans once. Oh, buddy. You had to we go. Know that's a lie. <laughs> that's not a lie. I wind her and dined her, and then that's all I got. <laughs> goodbye, kiss. And she didn't want to date anymore. All right. Let's say goodbye to this podcast. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> hey we got to do predictions real quick. Oh, okay. FSU, Louisville. Josh, the algorithm. Right. What's it tell you? Chris, you notice how I make Josh go first now, so he can't be a contrarian? Thank you. The algorithm enter. Okay. Uh, 28 21 FSU. Whoa! Let's go, Knowles, Chris. 30 to 24 FSU. FSU wins because of turnover margin. Louisville's been awful at creating turnovers. FSU gets a couple on the day. What I'm going to do here is called a hedge bet, an emotional hedge. Louisville 28, FSU 24. They win. I look smart. Uh, if FSU wins, though, you're I get to drive home happy. Life's good. <laughs> Life's good going to the bye week. So we'll do that. It's an emotional hedge. I'm one to know no matter what. All right, guys. Thanks for joining me on the bench here. Uh, stick with us. We're going to have a quick commercial break. On the other side, we're going to have Kadarian Jones, a former Memphis wide receiver, to talk about Mike Norvell, culture, and, uh, and why he believes he's the right guy for Florida State. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. 
Welcome back to On the Bench. As promised, we have Kadarian Jones with us. The former Memphis wide receiver was a a four-year contributor for the Tigers, including a a really nice breakout season this past year in 2019. He had his best year for Memphis, maybe not coincidentally. uh, Memphis got to the Cotton Bowl last year, and and he played a big role in it. And Kadarian's been a vocal advocate for Coach Mike Novell, someone who – He's someone who saw growth with Memphis and, and what that, that program did under Coach Norvell and has preached patience for FSU players and fans alike uh, with Coach Norvell. So, Kadarian, thanks for joining me today on the bench. How's it going? It's going good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here. No, I'm excited to have you here. I've enjoyed your work uh, on Twitter. I enjoyed watching you at Memphis, especially this past year as I was doing film review on uh, on the Tigers. So, uh, so I'm looking forward to this. Let's get going with, with this question, man. Uh, Mike Norvell, if you can describe him in one word, what would it be? Uh, one word, passionate. Passionate. Definitely. Passionate. And what, what about him is, is passionate? What is he passionate about? Uh, Norvell is, is just a very passionate person from, from just him being him first and foremost. And then, uh, of course, he's passionate about his players. He's passionate about the success of not only his players on the field, but off the field. He's passionate about the little things. He He's just a, a very overall passionate guy when it comes to whatever he put his mind to. I mean, he's going to give it everything he has, and he's going to give it his best shot day in and day out. So you were at Memphis, if I'm not mistaken, a year before Coach Norvell arrived. Is that correct? Yes, sir. That's correct. So can you take me back to that time, what the program was like, obviously, winning games under Coach Fuente, but but what was it like when Coach Norvell took over, uh, and what did he do to get the program to the next level? Uh, well, like you said, uh, Fuente did, you know, kind of start the trend of Memphis being on the up and up, and uh, Norvell did come in and definitely boosted that even more. Uh, he came in, you know, with, with like I said, that passionate attitude, uh, very intense mindset, uh, very direct from day one. Uh, I mean, you could feel his, how ready he is. So it, it really wasn't really wasn't any doubt um, as far as how we, we, we had to respond to him. Uh, he's a very, like I said, energetic, passionate guy. He came in and just, uh, you know, kind of set the tone. And, of course, like I've said before, you, you're always going to have uh, your few that, that might not agree with the tone that's being set, especially by a new guy. But, uh, like I said, at, over time as – Time went on, and I can say today that it's all for a greater, a greater reason, a better purpose uh, that, that some people may not be able to see right off the bat. And like you said, some people will embrace change, and some people won't. And that's just, I think, typical of, of life. And anytime that happens, anytime there's someone, someone new in charge, whether it's boss, whatever. Uh, for you specifically, were you cool with Coach Norvell right away? Like, did you buy into him immediately? Uh, honestly, uh, I did not. And I I really credit that for me just being a young pup. Uh, but you know, just, just being in a situation of not, not knowing, you know, that's scary for a student athlete, especially, you know, being recruited by someone else and then someone else comes in that, you know, that you don't have any history with. It can very be, it can very, uh, can be scary, you know, and, and sometimes, when when you have a passionate coach like Coach Norvell, when when, when that scared meets that passion, it, it it can it can break. You know, it can either make or break the, the relationship or build or break it. Like I said, so uh, for me personally, uh, like I said, we didn't start off the best, and I do credit that to me being young. But as time went on, and you know, you kind of start seeing the fruits of the labor and seeing the, the benefits that come from the little bitty things that he asks you to do then it kind of, you know, wakes you up and says, well, oh, okay, so this is what this is trying to do during the whole time, or excuse me, what this is, uh, this is what this has been working towards, or this is the accomplishments that we're trying to get. And, mm-hmm. you know, once you start seeing uh, the, the production and the, the things that make you happy on your end, then you'll be able to buy in uh, with, with everything else. And as soon as you do that, the, the, the faster you start to see you know, the, the, the different accolades and the different wins and the different ups and ups that, that you guys will start to see. Was there a specific moment for you, Kadarian, where you you had that moment with, with Coach Ravel where you did start to buy in, where the thing, like you said, started going on the up and up? Do you remember a specific like, aha moment? 
Uh, so I, I have a lot of a lot of moments that I have with Coach Lavelle. Uh, and again, it's just most of these moments came from me being a young pup, and a lot of the things that I was doing then. You know, sometimes some people might not. Uh, hang around long for some of the things that I had to go through or some people, you know, might be sent home or whatnot. But I just just realizing that him keeping me there and allowing me to continue my education and, you know, eventually be uh, a, a valuable guy on the field, um, that really, you know, allowed me to grow and, and, and help others to understand how this man operates and, and what his expectations are and how he operates and how he moves. I'm curious, what was it like last season? I know I've covered coaching changes when like Jimbo Fisher was leaving Florida State or rumors with Willie Taggart a couple of years ago. So I've I've talked to players when they're kind of in the thick of things with hearing these rumors, what it's like for for to be hearing about coaches maybe leaving. Mm-hmm. Uh, for you, what was that like last year with, with Coach Novell? Uh, especially you guys are going to the AAC championship game and, and you have so much on the line. And what were those outside reports and rumors like for you hearing those uh well for me personally again this was that that wasn't my this wasn't my first time you know hearing the the rumors because like you said i did come in with coach Quinte and i was dealing with that during that time so but to speak on it um i mean it's nothing that you can't ignore i know that the cliche thing is to you know block out the noise and try not to focus on what's being said but i mean you know you you it's important pretty much impossible in today's clickbait world. So, uh, of course, knowing that it didn't really change how we worked and how we approached our day-to-day and day-out basis. Um, I mean, like I, like, like you can tell, we're, we're happy for Coach Novell. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he's, he deserves where he, where he is. He deserves everything that's coming to him. Like, I mean, as you can see, we were very successful these past four or five years. Like, we have no, 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 no reason to hang our heads or be upset at anything and throughout that time of you know these reports coming out this that and third we just it, it, it didn't phase us we just kept playing ball uh we didn't not to say that we didn't care if it was to happen or didn't happen but that's just kind of how our mindset was like we just didn't hang our hats or you know mope around about potentially losing our head coach you guys go on to beat cincinnati twice in a row which is a kudos to you really really tough thing to do in football and you win the aac championship you got the cotton bowl berth in that next day uh, Coach Norvell announces that he's going to Florida State. What was that? We heard that the guys were supportive. You mentioned that too, Kadarian. Uh, when you found out, what was that moment like? How did he let you guys know? What was the, I guess, the vibe and, and feeling like? Uh, maybe can you paint a picture for us what it was like when you found out that Coach Norvell accepted the FSU job? Uh, well, like you said, yeah, he told us, of course, the day after we had won a championship game or whatnot. And, uh, the room wasn't really just, you know, too – it was, to be honest, there were more tears and, and claps than there were frustrations and people storming out or – it was really none of that at all. I mean, we like I told you, Lavelle is a very, very great coach. And we knew that, you know, we, we, we helped each other in a sense of him benefiting for us of getting our education and potential plan on Sundays. And I know that we benefited him for having him the opportunity to go – and coach at a big time school with a lot of history and tradition. So we understand that that that, that school, that all of this is, you know, sometimes it is a business. We hate to look at it like that, but that, that's what it is. And, you know, we, we were a mature enough team to understand that things happen. And we couldn't have been more excited for them. Uh, as you can, like I said, keep saying and reiterating, as you can tell, there's clearly no bad, bad blood from any Memphis fans, affiliates to Norvell or anybody involved with this. So, mm-hmm. um, like I said, we, it's a well-deserved thing. We, we were happy for him. Uh, it was just, you know, it just clockwork, night and day. Next man up. So those those tears that you, you mentioned for, for some players were almost like appreciation for, for what you guys had gone through together? Definitely. Definitely. So a couple, I guess a couple months ago at this point now, uh, you had a tweet, and this was after the Warren Thompson deal. Florida State fans are are well aware of, and and you put your name on it, man. Good for you. You said, "I'm not going to lie, y'all boys, uh, two spoon fed down there in Tallahassee. Nobody perfect, but y'all just down there uh, doing this because y'all don't like the way Norvell operates. Just do your part, and you'll be successful. That man is going to make sure you win on and off the field. So you've explained to us 
Kadarian, why you like and admire Coach Norvell so much? Why was it important for you in that moment to to stick up publicly for for Coach Norvell? Uh, well, personally, I just feel like how can I say? Um, me, it, it, I just felt attacked in a sense because, like I said, the proof is in the pudding. Like, I mean, everybody has. Uh, how can I say? I just go to say this. Okay, so the proof is in the pudding. I mean, Memphis has been winning. We've we've shown the country what we're all about. Novell has shown the country what he can do, and it's just it's just almost disrespectful for to Coach Novell to for him to get all his backlash or people not to buy in when the proof is there. Like I might like I said earlier, I might understand that uh, it's hard for to accept the new guy. But if you if you have a new guy who's a, who's has a, has a proven uh, record or a proven resume, then it shouldn't be too hard to 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 just do it, what he's asking. And I understand that there might be some things that people just don't agree with, and that's just that's human beings, and that's just how we are. But at the same time, there's not much leeway and much room for you to complain and cry. And this man hasn't even stepped foot on the field for the first game yet at that time. So it just kind of hit me the wrong way to press my buttons because I know what Coach Novell can do. I know what he's capable of. I know the genius that he is when it comes to drawing up plays and reading defenses. I know this man like the back of my hand. So when 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 that came out, it's just I was tired of it. I was fed up because that wasn't the first time that um, something had came out about Novell. And the first time I let it go because, I mean, it wasn't really my place. I, I, I didn't understand. I wasn't there. So cool. Mm-hmm. But the second go around... I just couldn't take it because now it seemed like the the, the norm well, at that time was to, well, let's keep bashing our head coach publicly and not keep it in-house. And I, I, I can't go for that. Like, now you're coming at me because – not, you're not coming at me, but it seems that you're coming at me because you're coming at Coach Novell and you haven't given him a, a true chance to show you why he's doing what he's doing or implementing what he's doing. Did you hear from any – uh, coaches who were on the, the Memphis staff like after that saying thank you or um, get any backlash from like FSU players like what was the response I know the fan base FSU fan base appreciated those words I'm curious if you personally like received any sort of either praise or, or backlash one way or the other for that tweet uh, I won't I'm not gonna name it people but mm-hmm. uh, I did receive you know a couple thank yous and a couple you know uh, appreciations for for standing up and standing out for them. Uh, I didn't receive any backlash. Uh, like I'm, I'm always say, I have nothing but respect and love for Florida State. Uh, I, I'm going to continue to keep rooting for you. I hope that you know this year is more than what you thought it'd be. Uh, as you can see, I just knocked off the number five team in the country. Mm-hmm. As Novell's never played a top five team in the country as a head coach, and that's what he does. So I mean, that that, that has to show you all you need to see. And, and all I can tell you is that, that even by the days down the road. Well, let's fast forward from the tweet from a couple months ago to the one the other day. You said to my to my FSU family, told y'all, double exclamation marks, hashtag no family. Uh, Mike Norvell gets the win over number five UNC. It was a crazy scene after after the game with players celebrating with him. We see these signs of of buy-in. What was it like for you, Kadarian, seeing seeing that moment unfold? Were you watching the game the game live? Definitely. I watched from start to finish. I, I'm always going to be tuned in anytime the veil and, and take the field. Um, what, but, what's going on in your mind when you're watching the the whole entire game and seeing him get like, what's, how are you feeling as that, that game unfolds? Man, honestly, I, I was just so proud, man. And it, it sounds funny coming from a player that's especially younger than, you know, Coach Novell, but I was really proud. and it, it, it made me happy. It made my, my heart warm because, I mean, I know everything that Novell is dealing with. I know I see the media. I see it all, man. And nobody really deserves that. Nobody deserves bad media. And for him to go out there and respond and, you know, put all the adversity to the side that led up to that big victory, it's just amazing to see, man. I, I, I couldn't help but hold. I couldn't hold back, and you know, I had to go ahead and let it be known. Like, man, I, I told y'all, and it, this is not just this is not the end. This is just the beginning, and I'm very excited. I'm going to continue to keep supporting and hoping, you know, that this season, like I said, finishes out very strong for you guys. Last question for you, Kadarian. What, what would be the 
advice you give to FSU fans? You said this is the beginning, this isn't the end. I guess what would you say to them to to expect throughout the journey through the end of this season and the next few years? What should they be looking for? Okay, yeah. So, uh, yeah, man, his, 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 his recruiting is, is unbelievable. His play calling is unbelievable. Play design, setup, all of these are just plus signs that, that you have to have and to be a successful head coach. And as long as, like I said, He's gonna. I'm gonna keep putting my name on the line, and I'm gonna keep stamping this, and I'm gonna keep saying that Norvell is the right guy, if not the perfect guy, for Florida State football. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm so looking forward to to the rest of the season. I'm looking forward to you to come because before you know it, Florida State will be a national title contender. I'm telling you, very quickly, just as fast as Memphis was in our title game, conference title game last year, Florida State will be surpassing their title game and eventually in a national title. Uh, spot to compete for I, I truly believe that and I don't I, I'm telling you man I'm telling you Novell you guys are blessed lucky whatever favorable word you can find there you guys have the one music to the ears of FSU fans for sure uh, Kaderit I want to thank you for taking some time to join us here on the bench really appreciate the insights you being vulnerable opening up uh, and being willing to to defend someone who you have respect for I, I appreciate it and uh and and give you kudos. I tip my cap to you, sir. Uh, thank you for joining us. Yes, sir. No problem. Thanks for having me anytime. All right. That's uh, Kadarian Jones, former Memphis wide receiver, big Mike Norvell fan. Uh, for Kadarian, for Chris Nee, for Josh Newberg, I'm Brendan Sinone. This has been On the Bench. Thanks for uh, listening to us, everyone. We'll uh, talk to you Saturday after the Louisville game. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.